Sup Freaks, it's your boy Marty Bent, here to introduce this episode of Rabbit Hole Recap. Matt and I just ripped it! Still recovering from my fall. Huge gash down my arm. Head's a bit foggy. Messed up some some acronyms on, on the rip this week, so please forgive your, your boomer Uncle Marty as he attempts to recover from his, his stair fall. Back hurts. Head's a little foggy. Scratched down my arm. Fighting through, producing content, trying to bring it to you freaks every day. I gotta go right to Ben after this. It's almost 6 p.m. I got a dinner date starting at 7 p.m. So I gotta record this, post this, write a Ben, post that, and then get ready for dinner. Let's see, my Uncle Marty didn't ever do anything for you freaks, okay? This episode is brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. Cash apps don't use stack sats, send sats, receive sats, and sell sats if you so please. Not recommended here. Saying sats, 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 because sats are the standard. You guys know the spiel. There's 100 million sats in a whole Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You buy as little as one cuck buck worth of sats on the cash app. I guess an important thing, cash app came out a really cool piece today. It looks like they're doing a, a series on Bitcoin misinformation and debunking the bad mis- misinformation about Bitcoin. Chapter one, topic very near and dear to my heart, Bitcoin mining. And they did an incredible job of, of making the subject approachable and fun for the freaks out there. So I'll actually link to that in the show notes. Let's hope I can remember that between now and then. Again, cash out, so you stack sats, send sats. You can now send sats via the cash tag. And just if you're sending to somebody within the cash app, you can send Bitcoin directly using their cash tag. Go check out all this dope shit. If you haven't downloaded the Cash App yet, use the code StackingSats. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Owls Lacrosse. This rip was also brought to you by our very, 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 very good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is doing incredible stuff across the board. But what we're here to talk about right now is their white glove concierge service that's going to take you from zero to having $1,000 worth of Bitcoin in a multi-sig vault in no time, okay? You need to take care of your Bitcoin custody. You need to possess your keys. A two or three multi-sig is a good way to control your Bitcoin. And when you do uh, a multi-sig vault with Unchained, you hold two keys, they hold one. So you always have the ability to move your UTXOs out of your multi-sig address. But if you're ever in a pinch and you, you lose one of your wallets or you just only have one, on them, one of them on you physically and you need Unchained to be that second in the two or three signatures, they are there for you. If all this was gibberish to you, don't worry. This is what the White Glove Concierge Service is for. They're going to walk you through what a multi-sig is. They're going to get you comfortable with it. They're going to walk you through their Volt product. They're going to do multiple video conference calls with you. They're going to get you hardware wallets. They're going to teach you how to produce private public key pairs using those hardware wallets, how to secure your seed phrase that's produced with those hardware wallets. They're going to wipe your ass in between with that white glove. It's going to be a brown glove by the end of this experience, okay? And then when it's all set up, you have your multi-sig, you have your hardware wallets, you have the private key, public key pair set up, you have your, your multi-sig vault set up. They're going to dump $1,000 with the Bitcoin into the vault. Tell them Uncle Marty sent you. Tell them TFTC sent you. You're going to get $50 off that white glove, that white to brown glove concierge service. Go to www.unchained-capital.com to check out everything else they have beyond that. Incredible blog. 
Uh, they have their collateral program, uh, excuse me, program uh, products. They have uh, they have an OTC desk. If you're high net worth individuals listening to this, you can you can in certain states you can you can leverage on chain two to buy some Bitcoin. Go go check it all out. Link in the show notes. Hoddle hoddle. Real cool product. Our, our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle, very good friends as well. Max and Roman have been on the podcast in the past. They they have launched their Lend platform, and it is available to U.S. citizens. You can use your Bitcoin as collateral to get liquidity using Lend.HoddleHoddle.com, their platform. And this is really cool. They, too, are leveraging Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties. There's no KYC. There's no AML. You don't know who your counterparty is. You hold your your collateral in a multi-sig escrow. You you make sure it's never being rehypothecated. You hold one key. You have a bit of control over it, and you don't need to sell your Bitcoin. You put your Bitcoin up as collateral. You get stable coins. You're able to go s- spend those however you see fit, uh, and you're doing it in anonymous, non-custodial, no KYC, AML fashion. It's available to U.S. citizens. Go check it out. Lend.hodlhodl.com. On top of that, if you sorry, I. I hit stop recording there. If you have stable coins and you want to get yield on that, you can go on the other side of that that marketplace and put your stable coins up to people looking to borrow stable coins so they don't have to sell their Bitcoin and get get some yield on that. Again, you meet in this open platform that lend.hodlhodl.com is providing and you get to do all this dope stuff. Last but not least, I got to give a shout out to our good friends at Brains. Brains is doing incredible things. B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. I've been around for a while. Jan and Pavel, two co-founders, been on the podcast way back, number number 73. Go check that out. Edward Evenson. Edward Evenson has been on the podcast as well, number 199. Go check out that episode. Brains, very Bitcoin-focused company building dope products, most famously Slush Pool. They took over all of Slush Pool. They bought Slush's remaining stake in Slush Pool last summer. Announced that earlier this year. They're providing their Brains OS Plus software, their firmware, excuse me, to miners. So if you're a miner that wants to get a little bit more efficiency out of your miner, Brains is working on firmware that allows you to stack more sats with your mining hardware. They have incredible profitability ca- calculators as well. If, you, if you're a miner and you want to see how profitable your equipment may be, uh, with your electricity costs in mind, you can do that using their, their calculator tool. They've always been Bitcoin focused. They never mind a shit coin. They discovered Amplied, patched it. They've always just been had Bitcoin in mind. They're, they're working on a hash rate futures platform as well. And when what's minor? That's all I got to say to my slush brains OS friends. My brains OS friends. When's when what's minor? I'm kidding. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that in ad rate. They're putting out incredible content about the mining space, about Bitcoin in general. We've got an incredible team that's dedicated to Bitcoin. So go check them out at brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Leverage their products if you're a miner and you have the ability to use Brains OS Plus and you're not, you're doing it wrong. Love all y'all freaks. Enjoy this rip. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that 
In a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. As for yours, what is up, freaks? Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap. <laughs> I'm coming to you live from some South Beach. It's cold down here. That's why I've got a hoodie on. Uh, we're going to try the live stream. Freaks, Matt, stay on top of the chat just in case my audio goes. My audio goes. I'm just going to unplug. You just asked me. You just asked me to keep an eye on the chat for the for the quality of the audio. I think it's necessary. Noted. What's going on? What's going on? I wanted to keep the conversation going, but we're not. We're not going to be doing that. What? What we were talking about? Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's let's. Why don't we start with the fact that uh, you dropped three three podcasts on the freaks yesterday. I had to do it to him. I had to fucking do it to him. Too much bullish bullishness. Citadel Dispatch, he got that file to me a little too late Tuesday night. I was like already in bed and I was like, oh, I don't feel like going up to actually upload it. So I did that first thing Wednesday morning. I cross-posted an episode of, of Gamcast uh, to TFTC because I thought it was important. Alex Epstein, uh, who wrote the, the, fossil, the moral case for fossil fuels. Um, really interesting perspective. If you want to check it out, go check it out. Um, I mean, you should check it out to get this perspective. Very, very different approach to the debate around energy consumption and its effect on climate. And then I recorded with Paul Atoy from Sphinx Chat. And I had the, every intention before we hit record of actually dropping this Monday morning, next Monday. Uh, and after... Recording and then immediately after recording, I listened to it like right away. And I was just like, this has to go up. It's too bullish. There's too much going on here. Fucking love it. So sorry for the, the content flood freaks. I hope you I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you're listening now, if you're listening YouTube, Periscope, wherever it may be, smash that that like, that subscribe, that retweet. Let's get it out there. Matt. You're just saying you're looking forward to the weekend. I'm as well. This week feels like it's dragging. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for the weekend. Let's fucking go. Yeah. So uh, it's been a good. It's been a good week though. It's been uh, one of the crazy things uh, that happened this week that I, I was we broke. We went from 55k on Friday, and we broke all time highs. We we broke 60k. We went to 61. Right. And then when the markets opened up again on Monday morning, we were like $800 away from the Friday close. It was like 55 again, which I just thought is like a weird thing. It's like, there's like this whole group of traders. Um, there's like a whole group of traders now that have entered the market that didn't, don't even realize really what like happens during the, the weekend. Yeah. Very odd price movement. And there was that whole debate about the coins that moved on gemini whose they were was it a whale dumping was it an internal uh movement of, of utxos from gemini was it BlockFi? who cares like people are gonna move bitcoin like <laughs> like don't try to like be like oh the price is gonna dump don't try and time it just stay humble stack stats well it's interesting right because it was actually crypto quant that they have like a they have a tel telegram channel that has you know like thirty thousand traders in it um, so as soon as they send out a notification saying, 
18,000 Bitcoin have deposited in Gemini, um, all of a sudden, all these traders all market sell at the same time and like close out their positions, right? So there's a there's a there's two things to take away from it. And then after that, a competing um, analysis provider, Glassnode, said that that was an internal transfer. They don't think that was an actual whale deposit. So they've been arguing back and forth over that. Um, but there's like two interesting takeaways there, right? The first takeaway is uh, because Bitcoin's ledger is transparent, like these whales can can do a lot of things. Uh, to manipulate to manipulate the markets if they just uh, by just moving moving their funds around right uh, and then the second thing is like is there I know it's a it's a free market we can't stop anyone right but there's there should be I guess um, at least at those companies there should be some introspective here uh, like a post mortem where they they think about like their role in in the industry right like they 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 should take it's not just sending out a telegram message, right? You, 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 you cause, and if you get it wrong, you can cause your clients, your traders, the people that are, are receiving your messages, you can cause them a lot, a lot of money lost. So like, you should probably be pretty responsible about that. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm, I'm happy I'm not in the world trading. If any of you are new to Bitcoin and think you're going to trade your way to wealth, it's highly unlikely or certainly successful traders out there um it's just easier I, I love that i don't have to pay attention to that i'm not in that crypto quant telegram like what the hell are these whales do? who cares who cares just keep stacking there's going to be whales coming in and out they're going to try and move the price you just stay steadfast just keep stacking that? don't worry about the price worry about your stack but speaking of price the current price of bitcoin is fifty-seven thousand nine hundred forty dollars according to clark moody's dashboard uh, one cock box is going to get you 1,726 sats. Current market capitalization of the Bitcoin network is $1,800,000,000. I had to think in my head. I was like, what, what is 1.1? It's billion and million, 800 million. One trillion, 800 million dollars currently. Uh, we are block height 675,203. 88.85% of all the Bitcoin that will ever be distributed to the market have been distributed via the protocol. Uh, we got a difficulty adjustment coming tomorrow, 157 blocks away. Again, we had a, a 1.3 downward adjustment a couple of weeks ago. Uh, right now, as of this point, between difficulty adjustment epochs or between difficulty adjustments. Uh, Marty, like it's 1 trillion 80 million. Not eight hundred million. Are the freaks confirming this? The the freaks brought it up, but then I checked, and it's one point zero eight, right? Yeah, yeah, it's eighty million. <laughs> Are you sure, freaks? Yeah, shout out to the freaks. Wait, it gets to one point oh nine. That's nine hundred million. Ninety million. Then one point one would be one trillion. One hundred million. No, it's trillion. It would be billion. I think I'm right. I think you freaks are wrong. Oh yeah, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, eighty billion, correct. Yeah, but you said eight hundred billion, right? No, I said eight hundred million. Okay, well the freaks confused me. God damn it! Yeah, it's one trillion eighty billion. It's above a trillion dollars. The market eighty billion. Are, eighty billion. I think you yeah, because it'll get to one hundred billion, and then from I think there, you said eight hundred, right? Yeah, yeah. I said eight hundred million. I was wrong. I. It, that was two two decimal. Places the important wrong. thing is it's one trillion. <laughs> And 80 billion. 
Oh, I love you guys. I hope you love okay, your, good. your boomer Uncle Marty who can't do math. I fell down the stairs earlier this week, man. My head's a little groggy. I'm sorry. The, Everyone the... was wrong. Everyone was wrong. But the important <laughs> thing is that Bitcoin passed a trillion dollars. Everyone was wrong. We can we can find solace in that. Uh, difficulty adjustment coming in 157 blocks. Estimated right now to be a 1.7% upward adjustment. That's because blocks are currently coming in uh, nine seconds faster than the 10 minute block target at nine minutes, 51 seconds. There are 40,364 transactions in Clark's mempool. Mempool has been pretty, pretty thin last few days during the week. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it fully clears this weekend. You want to bet? <laughs> hmm. I'll bet. There's no way it's not going to clear this weekend, Marty. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to clear this weekend. Okay. Well, the fee estimates, there's there's a seven sat per byte for a week on Clark's no dashboard. So I think it clears. Uh, I think what it else yet this year, Marty. Samurai Whirlpool liquidity right now. Again, hovering in the same spot it has been the last few weeks. 1,983.9 BTC or 114.9 million dollars. Or cut bucks worth of liquidity, whatever, whatever's tickling your fancy. Ain't nothing is right. Ain't nothing is right. Um, I'm not going to bring it up. You asked me not to. I'm not going to bring it up. Uh, what, what should we start with today? Big list. Big list. Should we start bullish? I mean, should we should we route back to what we were talking about? Why I posted three episodes? Like, I think what's going on in the Sphinx chat. Once they figure it, like, once they flesh out all the UX onboarding issues and the implementation for different phone carriers, the idea is extremely solid. One of the most solid app ideas built on Bitcoin that I've come across to date. So fucking bullish. Um, I it would behoove me to say that it is a beta product still. Like, I th- it's not very stable on on uh, Android. So I haven't really. If the freaks are wondering why. I haven't been participating that much there. I am, I'm lurking, um, but I like drop, I lose messages and stuff. Uh, so I don't even receive, sometimes I, I won't even receive a message and I don't even know. So I haven't been using it as much as I would like, um, but super cool, super cool concept. Very cool. And having had the pleasure to sit down and chat with Paul for, for an hour and 20 minutes. It's dude's a visionary, he gets it. You can do all this really cool stuff on Bitcoin and people are, I think, uh, one of my favorite tweets of today uh, came from, uh, I don't want to get her name, Elise Killeen, which said folks pumping non-fungible screensavers while Bitcoiners are over here decentralized telecoms, which is essentially what Sphinx is. They're rebuilding WeChat. WeChat is a robust app in China, but without the surveillance, without the centralization. Like the utilities that's going to be provided from this is going to be massive. I don't think that's, I get, I get the, I get the play. And I saw you tweet that out too, but I, I don't think that's as big of a branding win of a motto as you think it is. I mean, obviously we don't want the social credit score or like the, the cutting off of people. What about, what about censorship resistant signal with payments? It's so much more than that though. It's a podcast player. You can't play podcast and and signal. I mean, you can send an you can send an MP3 and signal. It's true. 
It's true. Actually, this is a good debate here too. Is Paul and I were talking about it this morning. A lot of freaks being like, why do we do this? Why like there's other free privacy apps out there. They're not really free, right? Like Signal depends on donations. They just started accepting Bitcoin donations. I'm sure you have that on the list somewhere. Cross it off the list. You cross it off the list? Oh uh, yeah, it is. No, no, no. It's it on, the, on list, the list, but now yeah. we've, we've covered it. So they have to monetize you, like hoping people donate. Um, and then Telegram, big article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday. Like they, they're in a shit ton of debt. If you don't remember, they did an ICO, like a TON token that had to shut down because the SEC was like, you they can't refunded the whole token. Yeah. Um, now they're going to investors like Jared Leto. Uh, and they have to go like raise a bunch of debt, I believe, between one. Well, they already and... raised from Leto. Yeah. Leto or Leto? Leto, Jared Leto. The thing is, Derove, Der- Telegram's weird because they just never, they just haven't implemented a business model yet. There well, is did no you, business Did you read the Wall Street Journal point. article? No, I kind of. Like, they want I saw, insert I ads in public clips. channels and then have Apple and Google. No, no, no. Okay. So first of all, first of all, I have a love-hate relationship with telegram okay um i think it's a really fantastic app and 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 he but it's obviously centralized right and it's and the encryption is questionable on the secret chats and they don't have encryption by default um all that said it's a very interesting situation he finds himself in because he made a lot of money Durov made a lot of money on russian facebook right and the russian version of facebook and then got into a fight with putin um, and was forced to sell his shares. And then when he left Russia, he created Telegram, which is why like uh, one of my favorite theories, my favorite pet theories is that was just all a manufactured uh, fight between him and Putin. And really it's just, a, it's a Russian state operation. But anyway, that's besides the point. Up until this point, they've never implemented a business model, right? But they have all of these public channels, like we said earlier, like CryptoQuant and stuff where they have hundreds of thousands of, of, of viewers, right? Of, of, of viewers of that of those channels. And Durov has explicitly said multiple times that he doesn't want to do like what Facebook does and like troll people's messages and give them targeted ads. He doesn't want to monetize user attention and monetize user information. So what their path to monetization is, is he wants to give those public channel creators, right? No, if you, if you look at some of these public channels, they serve ads in the as a post, they'll do like a sponsored post that pops up in the feed in the middle of the feed. And they'll say this, you know, use our sponsor here. DeRobe, he wants to include it. He wants to build it in and then take a cut so that any of those channels can add in ads if they want to. And then he takes a cut, which is a different business model than something like a Facebook chat or like a Google. Yeah, you're still adding ads a lot of times. But it's optional and it's the creator that's deciding. It's like what YouTube does right here. And, and but obviously YouTube does way more tracking than than Durov says he's going to do. Yeah. Yeah, if you're on YouTube smash that subscribe button like we need to get <laughs> Sorry, I'm kidding. Uh yeah. But like I guess the point I'm trying to get to is these apps aren't free. Oh, these are free the apps but they're at the end of the day. As is the amount of debt that comes in and the need for to raise money to develop the the animations so many models competing here now sphinx is you know camera done there's my 
Yep, you started breaking up for the first time. God damn it. All right. Well, we're still live. I guess it's just it's just audio now, but it's highlighting the fact that I guess Sphinx is hopping in here now as a as a competitor with a with a new different model, a value for value model. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what wins the day. I'm very bullish. Very very bullish. No, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's the future, regardless, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if you see. Um, these centralized platforms move to a similar uh, monetization model, at least, right? Like, so you could like easily see lightning paywalls and, and, you know, streaming, streaming value built into something like Telegram as well. Even if you don't get the censorship yeah. resistant benefits. I can like their Jitsi integration. I tested it out for the first time today with a couple of people at Great American Mining and it's like flawless. I like, wish if Jitsi had the ability to record the audio, we would not be using Zoom. It's a much better experience. What what Jitsi integration? In Sphinx. Like you could technically do like a clubhouse like application in Sphinx. Oh, I didn't even realize Jitsi. that. Yeah. Yeah. So you could have everybody in our tribe and you just start a Jitsi call. And it's basically like a clubhouse room in the That's browser. Interesting. Right. And it's not Agora's not. Clubhouse. <laughs> You haven't been on there. It's, I, I, you know, I, the freaks might not realize because I have a Twitter addiction, but I really don't like social media period. So, um, and, and clubhouse is just a massive sink. It's just a massive time sink. Yeah. It, uh, it's a massive time sink and it's a lot of circular conversations. That's why like I've made it an effort to only, like participate in very focused rooms. Like today I got asked to do one with a buddy who I did a digital design bootcamp with like many, many moons ago. And we, we just talked specifically one-on-one in the chat about, about designing products for Bitcoin, how designers can, can help out building out products on top of Bitcoin. That was a very interesting conversation and it's good. I love that designers are, are beginning to think about creating UX uh, and UI Um design processes for with bitcoin in mind because it's different right you're building on a distributed network uh, that has many layers with different conditions from which you need to approach it it still kind of rubs me as like uh like a new normal kind of thing you know like they like our governments like condition us and tell us that we have to stay home right and then all conversations move over to like zoom and clubhouse and you're having these conversations that you you used to have in a bar or something. And instead it's like the whole world has a wiretap on your conversation while you're having it. Yeah. Right. That's why we need things like Jitsi. Speaking of bars and meeting people in person, how was the New York Bitcoiners meet up? Dude, it was so bullish. Did you give everybody a hug? Uh, I did. There was lots of hugs, lots of hugs and, uh, and, and, we had beer and we had whiskey and we had pizza. It was like, uh, it was like kind of bit devs, um, new faces as well. Like we, I saw a bunch of new faces there, which was good to see. I mean, I hadn't been, I hadn't, I hadn't seen these guys in a, in a minute. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it was super bullish. And, and to be honest, it was the first time I was like kind of optimistic about the state of New York City. Uh, the weather was warm and, you know, people were, were out and about and, and it was bustling. I'm, I'm heavy in the New Yorker camp right now. Heavy. I don't know if I could ever go back. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, I think, you know, I don't plan on, on staying in the city either. Uh, but that's also part of where I am at life right now. Um, but it did feel, uh, it felt more like the New York we left than it has uh, since we left. Let me All put right. it that way. I can, get, I can get down with that. Get down with that. That's good to see. I hope everybody in New York is doing well. I miss you guys. Even though I'm a New Yorker now, I do miss the people that I knew and developed relationships with in the city. No, of course, I'll be back to visit. But yeah, we got a bullish list here. And I got to I gotta rag on you for a little bit. Literally, the first thing we have on the list is behind like a huge paywall. Like I can't even read the article and I'm not buying yeah, but you don't need to read. The, everything's in the headline. I know. I'm not buying a subscription to the Miami Herald. I know you're very big. Dying business. <laughs> <laughs> FTX is negotiating naming rights to the Miami Heat Arena. So we're at we're at this part of the cycle. Uh, we had the I Do- don't know. We had the We've Doge. never been at this part of the cycle before. Dude, we had this the Doge early. NASCAR car. We had the uh, the Bitcoin bowl. This is this is like in line with that. Definitely to another degree, a higher degree, naming a, a whole stadium. For, for at least a year. I imagine it's a multi-year contract. Uh, it used to be American Airlines. I don't think, I, 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 guess, I guess, you know, the corporatism of selling out the names of our stadiums is, is relatively recent, right? Because I don't feel like, you don't see them change that often. No, I feel like, the, well, Philadelphia, it was, it was depending, like, it went, so it went, like, from... The first Union Center to walk or to Wachovia to Wells Fargo. So those banks consolidated. <laughs> the, uh, they like bought the bank and then they, they got changed the, the name of the bank. Uh, Lincoln Financial Center. Yeah, I think that like the big like first like naming bid was the the Arizona Cardinals new stadium, if I remember correctly. Um. What the that's the first corporate stadium you said? I mean, I, that's the first stadium I remember in which uh, there being like a big uh, conversation around the naming rights and a bidding war for it. Yeah, it's a it's a relatively. Uh, it's a, I feel like it's a relatively new phenomenon. I know in New York, like I, we used to take a lot of pride that none of our stadiums were um, sold their names because uh, it's like I don't know. Like I, I feel like especially when your your franchise is worth so much, it's kind of a, it's a really cheap thing. It cheapens your it cheapens your audience. Yeah, it's a sellout. Um, especially naming the arena, but like we had, you know, the Giants for the longest time wasn't a sponsored arena, and then they sold, and Shea Stadium wasn't for the longest time. Our La- Madison Square Garden still isn't, uh, and Yankee Stadium still isn't. Like imagine if they called Yankee Stadium like Morgan Stanley Field. Ew. Yeah, what is Meadowlands and now what? MetLife? Yeah, it's fucking horrible. They yeah. got like fucking every time I like go to a game, I think of like Snoopy. Right. Yeah, we had uh 
It's interesting. It's Lincoln Financial Field for the Eagles. You just call it the Link, but before that, it was just Veteran Stadium. Um, and then they knocked that down. And when they built the Link, it's always been Lincoln Financial Stadium or the Link. So if they ever get a new sponsor, it's going to be hard not to call it the Link. Hmm. Talking but about anyway, sport, talking about sports cool. on a Bitcoin podcast. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Uh... And I'm not going to hold my breath, but I'm hoping that if FTX does get it, they they do it right and they put Bitcoin front and center. Um, one can only hope. We'll see. It's going to be Uniswap. There's going to right. <laughs> it's just going to be like a fucking Uniswap unicorn shitting out a rainbow. Or they'll be like advertising their like three x long shit token that gets you exposure to shit coins. Yeah. Or like their their hash rate token, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, we'll see though. Speaking of hash rate, minor revenue hit an all time high priced in cuck bucks this week. $52.3 million a day um, is the new minor USD revenue all time high, which was hit earlier this week. It's interesting because not as many Bitcoin are being produced as there were this time last year and the time before that. And even at the, the last all time high, there's significantly less Bitcoin being produced per block. Um, so the mining death spiral, will Bitcoin be able to, to survive on a fee market? Number keeps going up. Things are looking good. Yeah, our boy Checkmate over from Glassnode uh, put a chart together of it. It's pretty, uh, it really hits you like a, like a, I assume it hits people like a bag of bricks uh, that, that don't realize, you know, um, like it's 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 so beautiful. It's so beautiful how number go up works into it. You know how how we actually you know the amount of Bitcoin subsidy is going down, um, but its purchasing power is at an all time high. Um, is like the the craziest uh, adoption hack, um, and it's so interesting because you have these people who, well, first of all, I think it's important for the new freaks to realize two years ago we literally had people that were, were saying that fees were too low and they were gonna to stay too low and miners weren't gonna be able to secure the network, um, which seems like crazy to think about now when we're dealing with a, a mempool that hasn't cleared since, since the beginning of the year. And then the second thing that's interesting is like, you have all these like highly technical people that think the fact that every four years, um, the subsidy just cuts in half is like too abrupt. They think like if, if when you when you, if you just think from like a code first perspective, you kind of end up in a situation like Decred has where they do like they do like a perfect curve every day. The reward cuts, you know, because that's that's the way it should have been. The, the, the supply cutting in half so abruptly doing that supply shock every four years is inefficient. But meanwhile, I it, it worked. It, it worked out. It's, it's almost like you need that supply shock to to really like get people into these like FOMO periods to, to, to create this adoption. Right. I, I think it's twofold too. That's one of the, like probably like a stronger factor, but then like, I think I have no problem with the aggressive front loaded supply schedule. I think it was important to get that many Bitcoin into people's hands so that they felt incentivized to like propagate the message and, and get Bitcoin adopted. Right. Like you know, things like faucets, people just giving Bitcoin away, people spending 10,000 Bitcoin on, on pizzas. Like, would, would that have happened if, uh, if they weren't so bountiful at the beginning of the protocol? I'm not so sure. 
I'm not so sure. Yeah, I do go back and forth on the front loading thing, but it kind of, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, look, who's to argue it worked. It is what it is. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, but, um, it almost doesn't even matter. Right. Because it's, it, it's, it's who posted it. Someone posted, uh, it was, I think it was a tweet, but someone posted like 2011, uh, there was like $25 million worth of Bitcoin left to be mined. Um, and then fast forward to 2021 and it's, you know, billions of dollars of Bitcoin are left to be mined. Um, so it's, so it's almost like if you measure, if you measured in purchasing power, we have more Bitcoin left to be mined than have been mined previously. Yeah. That's, um, that's a heady conversation that goes on in some of the mining circles, right? It's like arguably the mad dash for the last million Bitcoin to ever be mined will be more worth it than the first 18 million from That's a mining. Crazy. Yeah. Which is uh, an interesting thought experiment to think through. Um, yeah. And as it's, it's, the value keeps going up the way it has been, and it can certainly be true. Right. Think about it. Like uh, when Bitcoin price is significantly lower than it is today, when it was significantly lower in the early years when mass amounts of Bitcoin were being distributed to the market, people had to liquidate those to pay their USD and native currency energy cost. Even though there's less Bitcoin, like the significant increase in value makes it so you have to liquidate less. Um, and then you, you also have the combination of, of mining being a bit more palatable from an investment standpoint. So you have easier access to capital and you can, you can play some capital market games to, to make sure you don't have to liquidate as much Bitcoin anymore. It's a very, very nuanced discussion. Hit your bingo boards. Um, um, Marty, we have some freaks in the chat that are asking about, I believe it was for Gamcast. Uh, you asked people to make intros and you offered up a reward. Do you want to give it the freaks an update <clears throat> on where you stand there? Yeah, the so we need an intro for Gamcast. So I, I put it out there uh, a couple days ago hard deadline five o'clock eastern tomorrow um submissions to come in and we'll pick the best one we've gotten four submissions so far um all really good i offered a hundred thousand sats um and then austin uh austin storms our head of product engineering he he quote tweeted me and he upped the ante to a million sats if if any freaks make a an intro to gamcast that we like that includes greta um screaming how dare you uh and so he helped the annie there's a contingent with that annie being up you need to include that that little sound sound bite in the in the intro if you want the million sats so yeah we'll Great. find out so where should they submit that Do they dm you or something yeah just dm me um marty at gam.ai everybody already knows this email so i'm not worried about giving it sign out. sign them up for all the the porn subscriptions freaks please don't do that please <laughs> <laughs> please please don't do that um just send an mp3 there's 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 a leader in the clubhouse that uh i mean i don't want to dissuade anybody from from attempting to get the million sat bounty but i think there's a, a strong leader in the clubhouse right now uh, i'm not going to say who who but um there's one that we all like and he would win the million sat bounty too um if, if nobody 
in the field uh, catches up to him. That's some golf terminology there for you freaks. Uh, um, sticking on mining. mining. Well, well, I want to stick on the, the checkmate thing before we get to the next topic. Boom. Uh, this is really interesting. Like since the having transaction fees have consistently sustained more than 75 to hundred Bitcoin a day, which is pretty surprising. Just in fees, just in fees. That's pretty high. That's bullish. Yeah. It's very high. 75 to hundred Bitcoin per day. Yep. Which is per 144 uh, like $5 million. Uh, yeah. It's like $6 yeah. million. Yeah. Around there. Um, ain't nothing right something something guess what the the mining race is heating up next thing on the list is the fact that uh kentucky state of kentucky the government of kentucky has passed a a tax break specifically for bitcoin miners that come and mine bitcoin within kentucky's borders there we talked about this last week Briefly touched on it, and at that point, it was a bill making its way through the House. It made it through the House, and I believe today or yesterday, the the governor signed it. Um, governor Andy Bashar, Bashir technically uh, hasn't signed it yet, but but uh, the Senate voted in favor. He's going to. It's his party. It's his yeah. party anyway. He's gonna he's gonna sign it. Yeah, and so yeah, the, again, if you guys were listening last week, you already know this, but if you weren't, just refresh. They're gonna waive. Um, sales tax on the electricity used to, to mine the Bitcoin up to a certain point for miners. So this is a state incentivizing Bitcoin companies, particularly Bitcoin miners to come in and, and participate in Kentucky's economy, which is a beautiful thing to see. And it's something I wrote about in the newsletter two days ago. So I think uh, in the conversation of regulatory crackdowns and um, like whether or not the U S federal government is going to, going to ban Bitcoin or severely limit uh, individual Americans' ability to use it, I think we're overlooking states' rights and, and the states' um, posturing towards Bitcoin. And I think we're, especially after 2020, when states' rights sort of made a combat, comeback, where you, you had different states making different policies and how they were going to react to, to COVID and the lockdowns, and you had some competition there. Um, most notably in Texas, Florida, uh, South Dakota, posturing like, hey, we're, we're going to be freedom uh, forward and everybody else taking the opposite side of that bet. But you had some optionality there. A lot of people have moved to Florida, Texas. I don't know about South Dakota, uh, but are certainly leaving California and New York as the taxes stay high and freedom deteriorates. And so I think a lot of people are overlooking the power of the Tenth Amendment and the competition we could see among states, particularly if Bitcoin, and even more particularly Bitcoin mining, becomes a significant revenue driver within particular state borders. The regulatory arbitrage is going to be absolutely gorgeous, whether that's between individual states in America or if that's between states on a global scale. Uh, between different countries. Um, I mean, I, on this topic, we, we had, uh, you know, this rumored India ban happen. Um, and then at the same time, like a couple of days later, uh, we have we have news coming out through Reuters uh, that there's a Pakistani province that is exploring Bitcoin mining in their hydro um, mix. Um, so it's going to be pretty crazy to watch this kind of thing play out, right? Yeah, no, the Pakistan, Stanny article from Reuters is really interesting. It was illuminating. And I didn't realize how big uh, 
the Bitcoin community or how much penetration there was in Pakistan. Like the quote at the end of the Reuters article is really just our government that is not participating right now. People all over Pakistan are already working on this, either mining or trading in cryptocurrencies, and they are earning it in income from it. Um, the person they interviewed said, Bengosh, um, we're hoping to bring this to the government level so things can be controlled online fraud and other scams can be prevented so the citizens are already adopting it in pakistan apparently according to this one pakistani citizen but that was interesting um yeah i mean i want to talk i, I think the pakistani the pakistan news is great uh i want to talk more about this indian news but before i do uh marty can you give me uh permission to screen share yeah go ahead I, I mean, oh, you oh, have to oh, <laughs> I thought you were, <laughs> no, like I would ask I know, permission I know, if I, I know. didn't need it. I know, I know. Here you go. But the Indian news, like it's interesting. Um, first of all, I don't think we dumped on the Indian news. The Indian news happened before, uh, like it, it happened some hours before the crypto quant thing happened. And it was that Gemini, it was that, it was that bullshit Gemini. Uh, or allegedly bullshit Gemini thing where they said that 18K Bitcoin had been deposited. And then because of that, there was like a a cascading, uh, like a bunch of leverage longs got fucked and we just went down. It just cascaded margin call, um, which is like people just don't learn, right? It's like stay humble stack sats. Like, why are you going like insane leverage on Bitcoin? Um, but with the Indian news, it's like interesting because people say, oh, it's a FUD. Um, you know, it's, it's, we've heard like India bans Bitcoin is just like China bans Bitcoin, yada, yada, yada. I mean, India actually enforced a Bitcoin ban. I, you know, it's, it's the exchange level, how effective right? it was, but they did. And it was struck down as unconstitutional. And now they're attempting to do it through a different path. So this idea that like, uh, it's bullshit is, is probably incredibly misguided. Like there's going to be more and more restrictions on Bitcoin in India um and it is what it is like we should expect authoritarian governments to you know restrict usage to freedom money yeah and i mean in india particularly modi wants to implement like the the wow that's a crazy arb um he wants to implement the for those listening at home matt just put the uh the BISC price of Bitcoin up against the... You have Coinbase Pro on top and then you have BISC uh, below. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Modi wants to implement like this draconian, uh, like surveilled digital monetary system. I mean, he started that a few years ago or a couple of years ago when they started banning large denominations of cash um, and moved towards this. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they they get pretty harsh around this and again like matt mentioned they, they've had they had an exchange ban for quite some time uh, finally got uplifted um last year but it seems like they're they're coming back to, to limit it again so shout out to our our indian freaks out there who may be listening um it's a shame it's a shame what your government's doing to you and preventing you from uh, accessing this freedom technology but keep trucking keep fighting it's 1.3 billion people. They're neck and neck with China. China's technically more populous. We have 350 million people. Someone, someone said uh, like, like 40% of the Indian population does not have toilets. That, that's, there's more people in India without toilets than live in America. Significantly more. 
That's insane. Wow. That's an insane stat. Right? Oh, my God, man. Wow. So, you know, we, we should watch those developments closely, and we should do everything in our power to make it easier for people in adversarial environments to use Bitcoin. There's this idea that permeates through Bitcoin's technical community that we just have the liberty of waiting for things forever. Um, And that's fine. Like if you can wait for Bitcoin privacy, if you can wait for using Bitcoin privately in a more easy and, you know, less way to shoot yourself in the fucking foot, then wait. But there's a ton of people that can't wait. And like, we need them. They need to have tools now. They have to have tools today. And there needs to be people talking about these tools. And there needs to be people building these tools. And there needs to be people using these tools. And this idea that we can just wait forever is, is fucking misguided. Yeah. But it's also like necessity breeds innovation, right? Like if you think these tools will get expedited once it's like, all right, now it's actually pretty pressing. We should, we should move our focus on this more and more intently. Um, Well, I mean, we have a government of one point, we have the two most populous governments uh, you know, the two most populous countries, governments, making hard moves at, at stopping their citizens from freely using Bitcoin. Um, so if that's not necessity, then, you know, I don't know what is. That's That's 3 billion people. That's yeah. half the fucking world, almost. Right. Solid portion of it. Damn. Well, you need to identify a problem first. In order to fix it, that's what we're trying to do here at RHR is identify where we believe these problems are and what we believe the solutions are um, so that we can get some support behind building solutions to these. This is what we aim to do with this podcast. And again, like while we're just on the the topic of jurisdictional arbitrage and bringing it back to the states here, again, it's something um, I really think people in America are discount. Like I think the states moves to make Bitcoin policies, whether that be restrictive like New York state or very open arms like uh, Wyoming and and Florida, Miami, particularly Kentucky now added to that list. Similar bill going through uh, the legislator in North Dakota we we mentioned last week. I haven't had an update on that recently, but I should look into that after this rip. Um, It's going to heat up. And I think it's making me bullish, especially when you consider, especially when you consider the amount of stranded energy resources a lot of these states have and and how conservative a lot of the states with the energy resources are and how how scrappy they are. If especially with this federal ban on on fracking on federal land, a lot of these states that have been pushed into a corner, particularly Wyoming, New Mexico, uh, and you can throw Colorado doesn't really care, but like Wyoming specifically and New Mexico, right behind them, like they need to get creative because a lot of their economy, particularly Wyoming, is driven by oil revenues and so oil and gas revenues. And so they're going to need to get really creative to help replenish those state funds that are now being decimated because they're not able to to bring oil and gas to market uh, like they were in the past. Bitcoin does fix that for them. And if it does begin, uh, providing a lot of revenue 
that funds things like education, healthcare, and infrastructure buildouts in the state. It's going to be hard for the federal government to tell Wyoming that they can't mine Bitcoin or that Wyomingites, 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 Wyoming citizens, Wyomians, Wyomians can't use Bitcoin. <laughs> um, so yeah, that it's coming. Will the Tenth Amendment? Be, be brought to the fore? Will states start asserting their rights against the federal government? We'll see. That's part of the beauty of the United States, at least in its initial construction, a republic, a union of, of sovereign states. Um, it definitely but, does feel like states' rights are... Um, I, I feel like a, lo- a curtain has been pulled on the federal government um, and people are starting to wake up and states are flexing themselves more. Uh, you know, the the... the the recent crisis, really, the, the recent um, coronavirus and response to corona really, uh, I think, elevated it and, and, and sped up the process, right? And we're seeing, we're seeing this happen. Um, and just on the energy side, right? I mean, uh, we now have a government that is historically, the party has historically, at least over the last two decades, been anti-pipeline. Um, and anti-energy expansion, right? So um, this idea that that states can harness whatever resources they have without having to worry about crossing state lines and getting all regulatory approval and all this different stuff can be extremely, extremely advantageous for them, right? Yeah, yes. And again, Freaks, I highly recommend you go listen to the interview I, I did with Alex Epstein earlier this week. And if anything, just to understand the trade-offs that come with with these policies and the attempt to force renewables on on the market, um, does it really solve the problem? Does it really produce enough energy? Does it push the externalities just outside of the border um, and increase emissions in places like China? I think he makes a good argument that yes, like there's a lot of trade-offs that probably aren't worth it. Um, and there's ways we can be more efficient. Bitcoin helps us be more efficient with this stuff. Yeah, Jim Cramer <laughs> recommending that Exxon use their flare gas to mine Bitcoin. Shout out to Pomp for incepting that in his brain. Um, well, no, and then he asked, he asked the Exxon spokesperson or whatever if they were planning on doing it, and she said they were considering it. Right? Yeah, yeah. But that's what yeah. I love is like all of these reporters, <laughs> all these anchors and shit. They won't let people come on their shows anymore without asking them the Bitcoin question. You know, she had no intention of mentioning it. <laughs> and then <laughs> he put her on the fucking spot. And here we are. It was like, there was like 50 articles written about it after the fact. It's happening, freaks. It's happening. And it, yeah, like the bullish news just keeps rolling. JP Morgan uh, came out with an interesting data point in one of their i guess it was a report a research report uh and this is good good for the small guy good for the common man good for the freak out there listening to this podcast the humble sat stacker the humble sat stacker out there you guys are pulling your weight in terms of flows into bitcoin um so the they, they had this one particular slide deck that has the bitcoin purchase facilitated by square ipit volume which is a proxy for uh paypal because they're using really it bitcoin um bitcoin funds flows which is probably more institutional cme which is institutional and institutional announcements of purchases 
um, and retail is holding their weight. Retail Q3 2020 blowing out institutional by 5 million Bitcoin um, or excuse me, not 5 million Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> can't do my math. It's a lot of Bitcoin, Marty. Um, 50,000 Bitcoin. Uh, institutional took over in Q4 2020, um, but retail climbed back Q1 2021 so far. Um, be- beating institutions by uh, almost 10,000, 15, uh, excuse me, 1,500 BTC. I mean, they're using, so so they're using rough measurements, right? They're basically looking at futures markets to gauge institutions and they're including PayPal in the retail side. And, and on PayPal, even though, yes, it is obviously the most retail user, it's like Robinhood. They won't let you take self, they won't let, let you take custody. So it's an IOU. Um, and God help the person who decides to have their Bitcoin be in the hands of, of PayPal, uh, given all the account closures that have happened all throughout the years. So um, all that said, regardless of how comparable they are, which is pretty cool to see JP Morgan uh, acknowledge that fact. Um, the thing that's hard to quantify that makes the humble sat stackers so fucking powerful is that we continue to educate ourselves and improve our skill set. And we're taking this Bitcoin and we're pulling it off of exchanges and we're keeping it in our own self custody and we're using our own nodes. Um, that is wholly different than someone like Michael Saylor having, you know, his, his regulated public company hold 90,000 Bitcoin in some regulated custodian somewhere. Right. And, and, and the power of that, just pulling that Bitcoin off the market forever. You're just pulling it off and, and, and most of this Bitcoin will never see a regulated exchange ever again. It just gets pulled off. Hopefully it goes through CoinJoin and it goes into self-custody and that user is going to use their own node and they're going to be a sovereign Bitcoiner for the rest of their lives. And they're going to pass it down to their kid who's going to be a sovereign Bitcoiner. And they're, that kid is going to pass it down to their kid who's going to be a sovereign Bitcoiner. And that, that Bitcoin will never hit a regulated exchange again. That that reality has not hit these, these finance bros yet. They do not realize this. It is not something that is priced in yet. And that effect cannot be understated. It's massive. The liquidity crunch, the sat squeeze is upon you, banker bros, finance bros. Be aware. Be aware. Be aware. But again, like to go back, I, w- I want to throw some shade at, at PayPal too. I mean... <laughs> They're one of the reasons that Bitcoin became like famous and probably one of the reasons that Satoshi left at some point or people surmise. Actually, we can't actually know why Satoshi left, but he left not too long after WikiLeaks um, almost turned to Bitcoin because PayPal cut their donations off. So it's like we're coming full circle. Like WikiLeaks had to turn to Bitcoin because they couldn't get money sent to them because PayPal shut down their account and Bitcoin was the only way. Um, that's the famous Satoshi quote is uh, about the hornet's nest. You've kicked the hornet's nest. And now the uh, the horde is upon us or something like that. Yeah, I mean, fuck PayPal. I, it, it, it literally blows my mind that uh, we've, we've, I guess to borrow your words, we've reached the point of the cycle where PayPal is holding people's Bitcoin for them. Right. God. I got to look up the hornet's nest because now it's going to, it's eating at me, the quote. 
WikiLeaks has kicked the hornet nest and the swarm is headed toward us. Okay. I just had to make sure I got that. And this was in um, December, 2010. I believe Satoshi left the project in April of 2011. That's when he was last seen. Um, so a little Bitcoin history for you there. And like going back to Robinhood, uh, got to get props where props are due. And the Robinhood's a shitty app and it's the middle of that Wall Street bet saga. And this is probably virtue signaling. So let's not give them uh, props, but let's just say, just state that their CEO publicly was looking for a developer to make it so they could give their users access to their, their Bitcoin so they can set them off Robinhood. I'll believe it when I see it, Marty. I agree. I agree. I don't even think Robinhood is holding fucking Bitcoin, let alone being able to enable withdrawals. Yeah, I'd be interested to see like how they're getting that exposure. It's probably derivative exposure. They probably have like massive CME fucking position to to hedge themselves. Uh, um, okay, back to sports. This was actually really cool. <laughs> back to sports with Marty Bent. Just, just talking about stats sat stacking the oakland a's are trying to stack as many sats as possible they're offering full season suites for the 2021 regular season are available for one bitcoin not a static usd price just just straight up if you give us a bitcoin you'll get a corporate suite for the full season that's pretty crazy is it worth it realize the cool part is that it's priced in bitcoin right the question is though is like I mean, we really don't get to see their conviction here unless Bitcoin dumps, because if Bitcoin goes up in value, of course, they're going to maintain that price, right? They're like, right, you know, when they announced it, Bitcoin was at like $54,000. Right now it's at 57. You know, if it goes to like 65, 70, they're going to keep the deal. The real question is, if we fall down to like $35,000, are they going to keep the deal or not? Are they going to honor that price? If I were the Oakland A's front management, if you're listening right now, I would hold that price because people would be more willing, I would imagine, to part with one Bitcoin. You'd probably be able to stack more Bitcoin at that price level. Um, yeah, I mean, if the price is higher, right? Like, aren't why would someone pay the Bitcoin when they can just sell it and then use the dollars to 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 buy the suite? Yeah, like, what is the price in US dollars? I guess that's the question that you have to play that arb game and i think you got a slight discount i think if i recall correctly it was it was slightly more expensive in uh usd at the time of announcement which was like 54k yeah here's the uh the announcement from the oakland a's pr team we invite our fans to become the first bitcoin suite holders in sports we're excited to be one of the handful of teams to accept cryptocurrency for payment and the first to price tickets in crypto instead of U.S. currency. The price of a season suite may fluctuate depending on when it's purchased, which adds to the excitement. <laughs> Suites are the perfect way for groups who want to safely socially distance themselves from other from the, the other disgusting Oakland A fans so they don't get sick. You get your suite, spend your Bitcoin, you dirty Corona-filled baseball lovers. <laughs> but it's like interesting. The, uh, and again, this is like one of the, another data point in the cultural tipping point, cultural trend the social movement price tickets and bitcoin instead of u.s currency so do we know how much does their announcement say how much the suite is in uh, usd 
not seeing it. I think you may only be able to do it in Bitcoin. No, 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 no. There's USD. If you go to the actual website, it shows the USD. Cause I, I remembered I checked. It was like the first thing I checked. Um, I mean, on that topic, right? Like pricing things in Bitcoin. When we talk about the evolution of, or the adoption of a new money, uh, you might've heard Bitcoiners in the past uh, say store value, then medium of exchange. So store value is number go up and then medium of exchange is like people actually using it to transfer and then unit of account, which is, you know, if you're talking about the richest person in the world, you don't say they're worth uh, billions of US dollars. You say they're worth, you know, millions of, of Bitcoin or, or really it's probably going to be billions of sats. But anyway, um, the another thing that got priced in Bitcoin that I don't have on the list was this event out of the Hong Kong Yacht Club, uh, which I had the great uh -huh. pleasure of visiting the Hong Kong Yacht Club when I was there right before everything, all the shit hit the fan because Hong Kong, the shit hit the fan before COVID happened. And then COVID just was like the nail in the coffin. Um, and they're running a, a youth regatta, a three-part regatta where, where these sailors are sailing in these super expensive, you know, state-of-the-art sailboats uh, and they're racing for a, a coin. They're racing for a hundred million sats, a single Bitcoin. Uh, that's pretty cool. The grand prize. And, and no one knows what the grand prize worth will, the worth will be like the finals haven't happened yet. So by the time the finals happen in a couple months, the prize could be significantly more purchasing power than it is today. Yeah, that was, <clears throat> I didn't believe it when you, I thought you were like Photoshopping a video and just like trying to make a cool meme um when you posted the the tweet about it and you were just like making like a boating accident joke but i had to Race go to the, for the coin <laughs> right <laughs> and i was like holy shit this is real again another cultural data point is happening freaks and again i was a, i don't even know if I, I mentioned this before we hit record but right before we hopped on to record rhr today i did a, a clubhouse with a buddy of mine who I did a digital design bootcamp with in Chicago in like 2013, 2014, 2014. Um, and he's like, a, he's like a big UX designer and like focus on design and product stuff. And just being in that clubhouse with him and a bunch of designers, like the, the, the interest around building on Bitcoin from a designer's perspective is really interesting to see. And I think the, the blank slate nature of building on Bitcoin is starting to really entice uh, the designing community, which is which is very very interesting to see. And again, just like from all angles, culturally, uh, interest is rising. <laughs> you have boat races having Bitcoin prizes, the Oakland A's pricing suites in one Bitcoin. It's happening, freaks. Slowly, like this is like it's like frogs boiling in water, but in a good way. In terms of like Bitcoin slowly matriculating its way through the psyche of the masses. It's gonna wake up and the frog's gonna be fully boiled and we're gonna be hip hyper bitcoinized and be like, oh shit, it happened. We're here. Yeah, I mean I could I could smell the frog burning. Yeah. And again, we've got we've got good people attempting to defend Bitcoin on Capitol Hill, particularly against the FinCEN move to to make very stringent KYC AML compliance. Uh, laws for exchanges and their users. So Coin Center and a bunch of Bitcoiners outside of Coin Center uh, sent enough comments earlier in the year to extend the deadline of commenting uh, so that 
the the people in FinCEN made uh, educated decisions, and Queen Center this week uh, announced that they they entered a third comment, just clarifying a few things. Again, just saying how unlawful it would be to to force this type of data gathering on exchanges and users, considering the the very low amount, the, the very low threshold of the amount being transacted, being transacted, which is like two thousand dollars right now. Yeah, I mean, I appreciated uh, the heavy wording of this recent Coin Center letter. Um, my screen is being shared to all the freaks that are watching live, so I can't pull it up. Um, I've got it right now. I think they straight up called it like, you know, so so this proposal uh, was from uh, Munching Munch Butts, yeah. right? So our previous Treasury Secretary, before we got Yellen, Trump was still president. They tried to rush this through when they when after the, the election, when they, they realized the time was up and they wanted to rush it through, they wanted it to be the last thing, it got halted. The general premise, you know, the TLDR is enhanced KYC. Let's make KYC even more strict than it was before. Um, and the coin center guys, they pulled no fucking punches. They, they called it surveillance, data collection. You know, they, you, they, they hit all the good points that you want them to hit and they fucking did it hard, so... Um, that's what we want to see. We don't want to see, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to see like pussyfooting around here. I think it's important that that is clear uh, that, that America, the, the most important thing for American citizens is, is, is to not be vulnerable to outside external malicious actors. And these type of surveillance regulations um do the exact opposite of that. They, they make us vulnerable and, and they will be exploited. Yeah, and here's like the money, three sentences. They really cut to the chase. As we discussed in depth in our comment, currency transaction reports are anything but non-controversial. They are, by definition, automated mass surveillance of innocent transactions. Any transaction over $2,000 that is merely relevant to a possible violation of law or regulation will trigger a suspicious activity report requirement, which already applies to crypto transactions today. Therefore, any CTR report filed without any accompanying uh, suspicious activity report is, by definition, a report about an American resident's entirely innocent and otherwise private financial activities. These reports are a brazen offense to our Fourth Amendment rights against warrantless search and seizure. A warrant, of course, requires specific reasonable suspicion of a crime. So... Yeah, it was very strong, potent, and to the point language from the team at Coin Center. And pulling in the Fourth Amendment is is actually a very, very good tactic, I think, too. It is unlawful search and seizure. You know, I don't agree with everything they do. I think their priorities have been a little bit misplaced. Uh, they focused a little bit too much on securities regulation. But uh, there comes a time every year where they earn my donation, my my annual donation to them. And this letter was was that. Yeah. Shout out to Coin Center. Just focus on getting Bitcoin labeled as free speech. Just put all your efforts on that, please. Yeah, and privacy. I mean, I, I, they both the both things would accomplish a similar goal, right? Uh, but um, I, I support all of our, our all of our privacy focused lobbyists, and I, I think uh, it's the the reason we have so little substantive discussion about Bitcoin privacy. Um, and internet privacy in general is because so much of this fucking country, um, so much of our fellow citizens 
have been conditioned to just believe that privacy is inherently suspicious. Um, and it really should be the exact opposite. Like the, the privacy is the most American fucking thing ever. Um, and when I say American, I mean, from the, from the creation of this country, uh, it's not something that we've embraced recently. That's for sure. And, and, and that needs to change. We need to go back to our roots in that regard. Completely agree. Let's get back to our roots freaks. Bushy you American freaks out there. Again, the long dick of the, the U S government. And this time the long dick of the CFTC, the commodities futures trading commission specifically is probing Binance over whether or not U S residents traded derivatives on their exchange. Uh, to be clear, Binance has not been accused of any wrongdoing. The CFTC is just probing uh, to see whether or not Americans were unlawfully trading derivatives, taking risk in derivatives markets. You can't, you can't make trading decisions for yourself. You can't put your, your capital at risk. You need to make sure the CFTC is there to protect you. And they're, they're going to they're shake down Binance and make sure that none of you, none of you poor plebs out there were taking risk with your own money and trying to try to make money from your own money. Okay. They're here to protect you. So something, uh, something that we've discussed in the past on this podcast um, is this idea that the long arm of the U S government will make you KYC all your users uh, and collect all this sensitive personal information on all of your users to ensure that no Americans are using the product. And this is what they did to BitMEX, right? They said to BitMEX, IP filtering alone is not enough. You need to KYC everybody. And if you're not KYCing everybody, then there's no way for you to be absolutely sure that no Americans are using your platform. And then you're breaking our laws and we will fucking throw the book at you. And BitMEX actually fought back against that. So there's, there's a lot of people that are um, equating the two and I don't think they should be equated. Uh, CZ, uh, the CEO and founder of Binance, has already bent the fucking knee to the U.S. government. He, they're already owned by the U.S. government. He, he has shotgun KYC people left and right. We've had so many freaks reach out and tell us about this. This is a constant thing. He pretends it's for your own good. Um, and when I say shotgun KYC, what I mean is he holds your funds hostage in an otherwise account that's under two Bitcoin on, on, on Binance is supposed to be no KYC. That's their official ruling. But after you put money in, he will not let you withdraw unless you upload sensitive personal information. Um, so that's, that's where the difference lies here. Um, that is absolutely abhorrent policy, the shotgun KYC. It's way worse than just regular KYC. Like be upfront with your users about what they should expect. Do not hold funds hostage. Um, BitMEX, on the other hand, literally had to have one of the three co-founders arrested before they implemented KYC. They pushed back until that fucking happened. So it was a completely different situation. Uh, maybe the CFTC does slap them with some fines, makes them you know, do a little bit more shotgun KYC than he's doing, maybe remove that account altogether, that, that two Bitcoin um, little zone he has where he pretends there's no KYC. Um, but, but don't be mistaken here. Like, Binance is already captured by the U.S. government. They will do anything the U.S. government asks, um, and and that 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 is what it is. Yeah, completely agree. I don't, I don't think CZ has the the same character or metal that Arthur Hayes 
and crew, Sam Reed and Ben, how do you say his last name? Dello? Dello. Yes, Ben Dello. Benjamin Dello. Um, speaking of which, we're going to talk about this Bitmax news for a bit, and then we're going to get the shout outs. Reminder that we have to read shout outs out of this before I forget. Yeah, I have it in full caps on my scratch pad. Um, yeah, so Ben Dello, he got extradited from UK, right? And he went in front of... No, 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 no. No one got extradited. No? He, he voluntarily surrendered himself in New York. Okay. They gave him $20 million worth of bail, and then he went back to the UK. Yeah. And with Arthur, the rumor is, is that he's going to go back to New York. He negotiated his surrender. He's going to go back to New York next month. He's going to surrender for $10 million bail, and then he's going to return back to Singapore. So this is the, we're watching sovereign individuals negotiate with the most powerful country in the world. I love it. Let's go. I'm on, I'm on team Bitmax. I'm sorry. I, I, any of our federal agents are listening to this. I'm sorry. I just, the, the product was too good. Again, they built a product that allowed people to just take risk. I think people should be allowed to take risk if they want to, if they want to burn sats by trading on high leverage. They should be able to do that. They never touched the U.S. dollar banking system. So to throw all these accusations at them using the Bank Secrecy Act, and I don't think Bitcoin falls under the purview of the Bank Secrecy Act if it never touches U.S. dollar rails. So yeah, their to- terms of conditions said no Americans, and they blocked American IP addresses. And if someone like Tone Vase posted screenshots of his <laughs> referral rewards on Twitter, they would restrict his account. Um, and, and this idea that they should KYC every single global user uh, just to enforce quite, quite, quite clearly overbearing U.S. regulations is absolutely absurd. Um, so, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll not, not, that, not that logic, you know, dictates these kind of things anyway. Not only absurd, it's very un-American if you ask me. I think we need but to I t- wonder, Marty, I wonder how many, how many, uh, I lost my train of thought a little bit there, but, I, and I just re- remembered, uh, how many FBI agents do you think that we orange pilled and are proper freaks now? Like, do you think we have <laughs> Dude, like, like six or seven that I have they, a story they assigned for you. to us and they just had to keep replacing them because if, if they spend too much time listening to, to RHR, they just automatically get orange pilled. Shout out to Josh. I hope you're listening to this uh, after our discussion. Is our FBI agent? He's not an FBI agent. So I was in a, <laughs> I was in a, again, I only go into clubhouse for very focused discussions these days. And the focused discussion I was in last Thursday while you were meeting up with New York Bitcoiners with, with the brains team talking about Bitcoin mining. And we had a gentleman, I believe, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm misremembering your name, sir, but it was Josh. And he came up on stage and he actually, he was a local law enforcement. I forget exactly what state, but he worked in conjunction with the DEA to help like unwind. Like he worked with an informant for the DEA uh, that, that like in the informant in the, in the case, there was a lot of Bitcoin involved and the informant was teaching him like how they use Bitcoin, like how they coin joined and all that stuff. And he became like infinitely fascinated in this, like, three years ago when this case was going on, they found the criminal, uh, they were, they got his Bitcoin and all that. 
but again, like local law enforcement working with DEA, he's a freak now. He listens to all the episodes and he loves what we're doing. And he said on stage on Clubhouse, like he has no problem with CoinJoin um, and said like other law enforcement agents that he works with probably wouldn't have a problem either. Like as long as you're just using it for privacy and not doing anything illegal. Well, guys, freaks, you heard it here first. Josh said, uh, random police officer Josh, also a freak, said CoinJoin, completely cool. I was like, I was like, Josh, I'm sorry if I was a bit like uh, abrasive when you first came up. I was like, oh, so you're my DEA agent. He was like, <laughs> he was like no, uh, no, I'm law enforcement working with the DEA agent in that particular case. But no, uh, it was. Don't worry, Marty. Your 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 DEA agent was was also listening to that conversation at the same time. Good. I hope so. I hope so. No, but it was a very interesting perspective that maybe we shy away from too much. But uh, it was more bullish than I expected it to be more um more accepting of of bitcoin and what we're doing here than than i would have expected it was like a I mean, surprise I, I i personally have a lot of good friends that work in law enforcement and i think uh i think law enforcement uh these 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 police officers are in situations where they have to think for themselves all the fucking time and and they're thrown to the wolves like if if they they don't have, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very much a personal responsibility profession. So they're, they're predetermined to be Bitcoiners. It's way easier for them to become Bitcoiners than the average, you know, Western individual who has learned uh, that, that they just should not have any personal responsibility in their day-to-day lives. They just go through their lives blaming everyone else for every bad thing that ever fucking happens and never say they're wrong never admit fault uh, and just let their ego just like dig themselves into this massive fucking hole. Um, With police officers, they have to, you know, law enforcement, they have to fucking deal on day to day. They have to deal with really significant shit. Agreed. Agreed. I know it's a bad rap. I mean, it's such like a, like everything, a nuanced conversation. And that's actually one thing Josh said on stage too. He's like, at the end of the day, like cops get in, most cops, most police officers get into the line of business, law enforcement, because they believe in, in protecting people and, and the validity of the laws. So maybe we could debate oh, well, the validity. I mean, we can debate the validity of, of some laws in some states, but I, the gist of what I'm trying to get at here is that they're good people who just want to protect people. I mean, I, 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 we should, I, we, I guess we should shy away from gross generalizations. Um, yeah, but uh, no, I mean, there's not very shitty cops out there as well. Look, look, I love, I love my boys that are that are that are cops, but um, probably the overwhelming majority of them became cops for the power trip. Uh, yeah, that's that, true. It is, it is. That is, you know, power trip is a personal responsibility type of thing. With great power comes great responsibility. I think that's the yeah. quote actually. Uh, shout outs before I forget. First shout out. I forgot to read this last week. Um, there's a website, Bitcoin, and I checked. It's not an ad. There's no way to make money. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. But I think it's a pretty good idea. So it's called Bitcoin at Berkshire.com. The age of a new monetary asset ascending is upon us. Friday, April 30th, and Saturday, May 1st, 2021. Bitcoin at Berkshire is a hosting the first annual Bitcoin-only event in conjunction with Berkshire Hathaway's annual shareholder meeting. This is a free two-day virtual event with the most brilliant minds in the Bitcoin-only space. 
Our goal is to continue the com- conversation of how Berkshire Hathaway, its subsidiaries and shareholders alike can utilize this monetary tool, improving underlying business operations and strengthening the balance sheet for several hundred years to come. So. I mean, you just advertised a virtual conference. Free. It's free. So, so is that where we draw the line? If it was, if it was a, uh, like, where do we draw the line between a shout out versus an ad? If, if they charge for the conference, then they have to, they have to get a proper ad spot in the beginning or. You know what, Bitcoin at Berkshire, you got away with this one. Okay. I think it's a new one. I think it's, I think it's a play it by year. Take them as they come. Look, I, you know, I'm, it sounds like it's run by a freak. So. Cheers to the freaks out there. Love all of your initiative. Fuck yes. Let's go. Bitcoin at Berkshire. Uh, what's the, the 18th? Last week was the 11th. This one came in on the 12th. There's two that I think somebody somebody paid twice. I think they may have thought it didn't go through the first time, but it's not. doesn't have anything to do with this one. I like this one too. Marty, I'm being told in the chat that Berkshire at Hathaway is no longer free and they're <clears> charging money for it now. God damn it, Berkshire. Are they really? Yeah. God, I'm about to read. <laughs> I'm about to read this one too. No, it's making just, for, just for the record, freaks, if you couldn't tell, you know, from over two years of joining us every week, I get surprised by the shout outs as you get surprised at the same time. Marty does not tell me ahead of time about the shout outs. Oh, no, the guy who runs it is just trolling us in, in the live chat, and he said he's not charging. <laughs> so so we know it is run by a freak, because only a freak only a freak would troll us live on the chat. Thank you, freak. All right, this is very similar. Since I read that one, I feel like I had to read this one. Cue the pump, freaks. Aussie Bitcoiners are off to the first regional Bitcoin bush bash of 2021 in Beechworth, Victoria. This weekend, a continuation of low-key regional meetups where we spend a weekend sharing ideas, learning, building bonds, the infinitely yielding type of bonds, uh, eating steaks and talking about the corn. Presentations and discussion panels this weekend include Bitcoin security, lightning, living off Bitcoin, compliance, Bitcoin DeFi, and setting up your own Bitcoin satellite. An endless stream of stories, advice, learning, and help. When our great overlords allow international visitors again, we hope some of you European and North American pigeons will make it over. Is that what you think of us, Aussie freaks? We're just pigeons? I thought we had a very like owl type vibe to us. Well, no, this is what Marty's owl always talks about. He, he's always using pigeons as an insult. Is Marty's owl an Australian? So it's a, it's a, it's a, but it's an in-group, it's an in-group uh, signaling mechanism. Okay, I like so this. I like this. Okay. All right. I'm a pigeon. I'm a pigeon. Okay. We're Two not more pigeons. We're owls, but continue. <laughs> Two more Bitcoin bashes in the pipeline this year for July and November. Follow at Bitcoin Bush Bash or take a gander at BitcoinBushBash.info. Marty, please break your winning streak of audio fuck-ups. I'm hoping I'm doing that right now for you. <laughs> we literally and, had one today. Okay. And Matt, uh, it was very temporary. Matt, all caps here. Remain humble despite the unending stream of winning. Thanks for all you two do. Love, Aussie freaks. As he pops the bottle. Love oh, you, Aussie, Aussie freaks. freaks. I hope you guys yeah, enjoy it. Was... I'm sorry. I think Go this on. actually may have happened last week. Oh, so we were late? I mean, the bash scene, I think, I mean, this was sent last Friday. So I, think I don't the bash... think it happened. I mean, Catan didn't tell me about it. The bash may have already happened. Hopefully it's this week. Maybe they bought it last Friday, knowing we'd read it today. 
Yeah, I I don't think it. I doubt, I doubt it happened yet. I think we would have known it happened because Katan would have posted about it. Wizard of Oz would have posted about it. Stefan would have posted about it. Um, you know the Aussies. They all all our Aussie boys would have would have posted about it. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Yeah, you guys are in a prison over there. I feel bad. It's Hopefully. still a strong citadel, though. I mean, it is an island in the middle of the Pacific, so. I've told I've told all our Aussie boys that that I'm happy to employ them for a work visa if they want to come over to the, the free states. Yeah, we need some work done. We need to Bitcoinize uh, this this whole operation. So, and we need you on site in my mother-in-law's house. Um, hello, Marty and Matt. This is an interesting one. I uh, remember reading this earlier this week. I'm like, ah, and it's very similar to the next one. It'd be very interesting if it's coming from two separate people how many do we have we have four we have we have two more left we got three or four yeah (laughs) you read too Marty. your math is horrible i fell down the stairs dude (laughs) fell down the stairs my stair fall was pretty pretty bad too still recovering my back is fucked um hello marty and matt thank you for all that you do seriously thank you I confess that I still own quite a bit of some shit coins. Ethereum, Litecoin, Cardano, Decred, Monero, and Bitcoin Cash. What the fuck are you doing, freak? <laughs> Here we go. All right, Matt, this is why you reached out to us. I listen to Bitcoin Maximalist, quote unquote, and it makes sense that I should dump these altcoins for BTC. Yet, whenever I sit down to simplify my portfolio and put it all into Bitcoin, I always bail and put it off for another day. I always wonder if for some unforeseen, quote unquote, use case could eventually make one of these altcoins become something legitimate. I don't know why I can't confidently and joyfully just let them go. I just somehow need an extra little push. Are you able to provide this little push? I know you can't get financial advice, but I just know you guys can throw a few words together that will cause me to remove all doubt if you were so willing. My head does not work best when left alone. Thank you again. And my head does not work best after falling down a flight of stairs, but I think it works good enough to give you the advice to just dump them dump them here's the push i'm gonna shove you off the fucking shitcoin don't, cavern dump it into bitcoin and forget about uh, it don't don't shove them I, just fucking do it freak you'll feel way better less stress and like oh what are, what are some unforeseen use case of one of these shitcoins pops up that makes it like flipping bitcoin like it's just it's not gonna happen i mean let's go through them ethereum objectively failed needs to transition to eth 2.0 like crumbling crumbling right now that the the war between the miners and the developers is one of the funniest things i've ever seen litecoin do i even have to say anything cardano just look at charles hawkinson look at that scammer look at the way he treats himself he's the he's like the 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 poster boy of that decred governance is an inherent attack vector they've literally built it into their protocol monero monero can't scale you never know if there's inflation bugs. Like there could be inflation bugs. I think it's proven in the past that there have been inflation bugs. And they're always fucking with the mining algorithm. And I think Bitcoin's privacy assurances are going to be better over time. The way I went to like, because I wanted to start with like Bitcoin's privacy assurances are getting better, but you already yelled at people for saying that earlier in the episode. So. I know. I, ne- I never talk about Bitcoin privacy. Bitcoin privacy is great. We just, no one has to ever concern themselves with it. We shouldn't talk about it because if we talked about it, that'd be likely illegal. And you should just, I just assume that other people are working on it and we have all these magic words that are going to make it better in the future. So magic. 
Abracadabra. Bitcoin Cash. I mean, Bitcoin Cash. Come on, dude. What a fucking joke, man. What are you doing? Get your shit together. Get your shit together and fucking just do it, man. Or don't. Either way, your portfolio is going to be 99% Bitcoin. It's either going to be less Bitcoin or more Bitcoin. That's, That's what it comes down to. Because if you don't fucking do it, it's all going to trend to zero eventually anyway. Um, so that's up to you, bro. You, you don't, don't, don't look at the, everything Marty said is, is, is fine and dandy, but, but go to trading view and look at the charts. Yeah. Look run at the, the numbers. Look, look at, look at the five-year charts of every single coin you hold against Bitcoin. You know, use Bitcoin as a denominator price, every price, your life in sats, and then go do it with the whole S and P 500. And then tell me, that you can outperform staying humble and stacking sets. And if you say yes, good fucking luck. You're probably full of shit. Most definitely full of shit. I'm pretty sure this dude just didn't think the first transaction went through and, and redid it with another transaction. So he paid for two shout outs secondly, so I have to read both of them. This is the way it works. It's uh, true. It's technically, it's, it's in our terms and conditions. It is. I'm still sitting on a pile of shit going, it's funny how he reworded it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still sitting, sitting, still sitting on a pile of quote unquote shit coins, Ethereum, Cardano, Litecoin, Decred, Monero. I know I should trade them for Bitcoin, but whenever I sit down to do so, I always bail and put it off for another day. I'm always thinking, quote unquote, what if I need a nudge? I know you don't give financial advice, but are you willing to drop a quick nugget of wisdom? I'm open to being shamed or scolded. I just want to be able to confidently and gleefully let go of these coins. Any input is appreciated. Thank you for TFTC and all you do, seriously. Yeah, I'm just going to co-sign what we just said <laughs> Wait, previously. can we give this, this new freak different advice? Yeah, just go just for it. Just hold your shit coins. Just hold them. It's going to outperform <laughs> Bitcoin. <laughs> just hold on. Yeah, yeah, just hold on. Whatever. I love it that he, he submitted it twice. But yes, we have to give him $100 worth of advice. Uh, one thing I did notice on the second read... Um, I mean, when did we say we don't give financial advice? I thought this whole this whole yeah, it's a, this whole operation is one big financial advice. You know, Bitcoiners are the only ones who don't have to lie about it being financial advice because Bitcoin's not a security. Um, so we're allowed to talk about it without violating securities regulations. Um, all everyone else talking about shit coins and talking about Tesla and talking about all this shit. Uh, they they can't they can't do that. They have to do that big disclaimer. That's why Pomp has a big disclaimer in the beginning. It's because it's a shitcoin podcast. Hey hey, Pomp's been been helping us spin the narrative. Let's not let's not dump on him too hard, okay? Love you, Pomp. No, but I agree. Yeah, buy Bitcoin. I would literally say it in the ad read. Like stack sats, stay humble. Stack sats. The the stack sats part of stay humble literally means buy Bitcoin. I guess when I when I when I say that every every company in the S and P five hundred will trend to zero in Bitcoin, that is not financial advice. But when I say Bitcoin's designed to pump forever, that is financial advice. No, I think that's good. Sound financial advice. The the former there, because you're just saying buy Bitcoin. You're not saying short a stock. You're saying buy Bitcoin. Those aren't going to appreciate as fast as Bitcoin. Eh, maybe that is advice. No, and I'm being clever. It's bullshit. Yeah, obviously. I'm saying the same thing. It's the same thing, Marty. I'm saying the same fucking thing in two different ways of saying it. Yeah. Well, this freak said the same thing in two different ways of saying it in the shout outs. And- no, he said it in the same exact way. <laughs> the second time, it wasn't afraid to be scolded. 
So maybe, maybe oh, was it slightly better. different? He like edited it in between. <laughs> yeah, it was completely different. I love it. It's like you forgot what he wrote, or she it could be a she. Yeah, because it doesn't tell you what you wrote. Like once you submit, it goes. Yeah, we run a very... no confirmation. There should be like some kind of. Yeah, we just wait for six confirmations, then we read it. So if you send a low fee, and you're confident that that will get included in a block, like you can know that it went through and just keep in mind that if you try and game the system matt will shit on you live on air because marty will read it anyway <laughs> uh that is the the rhr difference freaks we transition away from shout outs to the the software update section of the podcast this is a big one block clock mini and a new firmware release anybody running a block clock mini out there uh download the firmware i think it's fixed some stuff with the open dime reader what else did it do did it add a digit i saw you ask for dolpha that earlier no he didn't add a digit i don't know what he's going to do about that i mean i do know i mean everyone should just use sats per dollar and the number number go down and we're good yeah reason i got confused here is because you uh you put the the cold card version update with the block clock mini announcement and the block clock mini announcement with the cold card version update. So if you're running cold card version 4.0.0 has been released, some major internal improvements. Is this move is this like Libsec P256K1 is now not in beta anymore? Yeah. I was gonna make a tweet where I pretended I lost all my Bitcoin because I used the cold card beta and I just it would have went over so many people's heads. There would have been like articles about it and stuff like, so I just didn't make the joke. Are you trying to ban the flame wars? <laughs> I mean, this is just like where we are, right? This is like where we are in, in, in Bitcoin land, I guess, I guess it, uh, it's, it's, it's like, I actually question the repercussions of the shit posts now. Yeah. But I this mean, is a massive update to be clear. This is fucking huge. It's the first hardware wallet that uses, um, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Core's Lib same P256K1. The same cryptography library that Bitcoin Core uses, yeah. uh, which is massive. That, that's, a, that's a big thing. Yeah. Secure cold card cloning, reproducible builds. That's pretty big as well. Um, being able to reproduce the builds from source. It's a good way to get certainty that you're, you're running the right code and to verify hardware wallet integration version zero or excuse me 2.0.0 andrew chow's been working on this that's been added they added bitbox to multi-sig signing um support for python 3.9 they're documenting some stuff shout out to andrew chow and everybody contributing to that trying to make hardware wallets uh interaction with core standard um to make it easier and, and create less chances of there being some fuck ups on the user side um, by creating a standardization process. So you called it hardware. You said HWI, you, you said the I is integration, isn't it interface interface? Yes. Thanks for keeping me on my toes. Blaming the stairs on that one as well. Not dojo version 0.1.2 C has been released. You don't have a, you don't have a link to that. He doesn't provide links, but 
if you own a Noddle Dojo, it just shows up with the change log and you can press upgrade if you want. And it has a link in there. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's a big upgrade. It added, it just, it brought everything up to, to, to recent. Now all the pack, all the, all the internal packages that he, that he has, that Keto Miner has on Noddle um, got updated. So Whirlpool got updated, RTL got updated, LND got updated. Um, and Dojo got updated. And uh, the big thing with RTL is it added loop and it added the bump, uh, fee bump support uh, to do replace by fee. So so that the, the, this was a big upgrade. It was good to see. The Noddle Dojo continues to be a fucking beast of a node. Uh, I fucking love it. It's it, 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 was, it was a very good... I'm very happy with my purchase. I'm still very happy with my purchase. I feel very secure in using it. Um, and just as far as turnkey nodes go, um, it is definitely on the premium side, no fucking doubt, but you know, you get, you get that hands-on, you get that hands-on key to minor French touch to it. And it's, uh, it's hard to price that. You clawed it back from the, from the robber. Oh no, no. The robber stole the noddle, the original noddle. Uh, uh, I personally own a noddle dojo. The, the, the 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 thief in 2019 stole the official Tales from the Crypt Lightning node, and is still operating it with nice low fees, tour only. It's amazing, it's amazing that that thief is just so such a dedicated freak. Like even the people who steal from us, are just so so aligned with the cause. It's great to see. Giving back to the network, you love to see it. You hate to see. I heard, the- I heard recently the thief had to change the noddle. Uh, OG to um, from 500 gig SSD to one terabyte SSD and Keto Miner's video that showed how to do it was just really very useful for him. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear that there's some resources out there so that you can, you can keep this node up and running and providing liquidity to the Lightning Network. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see. You don't like to see people engage in thievery, but it, maybe he's trying to atone for his sins. By, by running a good node so uh before we move on to the next shout out to the noddle team not only for the noddle dojo and everything they do but i mean they were escuado specifically very pivotal in getting us on board in the sphinx chat and like literally probing me and matt to pay attention to it and uh getting us onboarded on that the podcast specifically uh or late summer, early fall last year. And, and I just want to thank him specifically for, for pushing me down this rabbit hole. Cause I think it's going to be a very important one to keep falling down moving forward. And then on top of that, they're providing cloud services for, for Sphinx users as well. Yeah. They provide the whole backend and the whole backend. Uh, if you're not running your own node, you're not using your own node uh, is not a cloud. Uh, yeah. So technically you're using your own node on their servers. Yes. Which is uh, a trade-off balance. Um, you can still use your own node, cloud. but if you don't have your node ready to go, you can do an auto cloud node. Yep. Yeah. Shout out to to Keto and Esqueda. You guys are fucking crushing it. Rude Fox Barrow version 0.1.1. This is a pretty big upgrade as well, correct? The big thing here is added support for a regular die. So like you can just use a, a D6, which is just a traditional dice. You don't need the casino quality? 
Oh no, casino quality. There's obviously casino quality is D six casino quality. Oh. Um, I, I have um. All, all the dungeon and Jag- dungeons and dragons freaks are shaking their head at you, Marty. Uh, the I he he used like a D D twenty, I think, uh, originally. So you needed the special dice that was like twenty sided, and now you can use a D six, which is the normal dice. And in Dungeons and Dragons, there's like six different dice or something like that. Okay. All right. Good to know. It's it's the number of sides on the dice. Does that make sense? Like D6 is a six-sided dice. It's your usual dice. You go to the casino, they roll the dice. It could be one through six, right? Oh, that's how it works? That's a D6, right? And then so you have like D4s, you have D10s, you have D20. No, but this is like a thing. The freaks don't realize this. I didn't realize that they just I never knew it was called D6. What are uh, the FUD dice? What are they? D what? The FUD the FUD dice are D12 or D infinite. <laughs> right. Logically. Um or theoretically. Anthony Towns, I didn't read this. You're gonna have to run with this one. I read the one after this, but not this one. It was all right. What you saying? Like, I'm really. I love like... Anthony. I love Anthony, and I think, uh, look, you know, this this is this is what's nice about Bitcoin governance, right? Is like I have Ryan Gentry's, um, Ryan Gentry's uh, blog post on Bitcoin governance. I have Anthony Towns' blog post on Bitcoin governance. We recently had the IRC chat um, about the Taproot activation using Speedy Trial. Um, this idea of a three-month signaling period. And if miners just go with it, then we're good. And we don't have to fucking deal with any kind of complication. Um, All of these things, they all meld together, right? And it's very important, I think, that every time we hit like a pivotal Bitcoin upgrade point, and and I know we talk about ossification a lot on this podcast, this idea that Bitcoin will hit a point where like basically no changes will go forward unless they're like typo fixes. but I think it's important that every time we have like any kind of major soft fork uh, that we reevaluate for the newcomers, the, especially we have all these new freaks here on how Bitcoin governance works, right? And, and we all have different opinions on how it works. You know, Anthony Towns kind of wanted to push back on the idea of UASF, uh, user activated soft fork, the, the influence that, that it had and that, that it was like a special situation that it had. Um, I think, I think Ryan really hit the nail on the head and and, uh, I mean, look, you don't have to agree with me. I want you to do all your research. I expect the freaks to go out, do all their research. I, I, I've been wrong plenty of times. And if I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. When, when it's obvious that I'm fucking wrong, I will admit it. A lot of people won't in this space. Um, so I don't want you to just blindly trust me, but, but my take on Bitcoin governance is similar to Ryan's take more similar to Ryan's take than Anthony's take. And we have both linked in the show notes um, in that, you know, you have three stakeholders. You have three sets of stakeholders. Well, before you go you, forward. You have devs. You have devs. Before you go forward. You have minor. Go on. It's Ryan Gentry and Buck Purley. It's not just Ryan. It's two people. Right. But Ryan, okay, apologies. Ryan posted on his blog. Um, yeah. Both from the Austin Citadel. So shout out to both of them. Um, this idea that you have three stakeholders, right? And you have, you have this idea of you have, you have developers, 
you have miners, and then you have users that are neither of those two. Um, and all three sets basically have veto power, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a Mexican standoff, um, right? Yeah, it's this idea that that it's just really hard to change. The, the one constant that we all should agree on is that Bitcoin is insanely difficult to change. Uh, so any change that happens needs to be of the utmost uh, necessity. It has to be as efficient as possible. Otherwise, that change will not happen. Yes. Is my take, and I think that lines up with Gentry and 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 Bucks. I agree, and they. I mean, we talked about this weeks ago. And when you convince me, like lot equals false, we go down that lot versus true versus lot versus false path, makes the most sense, and, I, and that's what Ryan and and Buck. That's uh, the conclusion that they came to as well. But it was interesting reading that. I wrote about it last week, last Friday. It was that, I mean, not, it's not, they didn't write that in vain, but it seems like the speedy trial activation is gaining more traction now. Well, speedy trial, a, is, speedy first trial attempt. is lot equals false with the three month timeline. Okay. That's what it is. They don't want to say it, but it's the same thing. It's, it's this idea that you will let the miner signal. And if they just signal over 90% in the next three months, then we don't have to deal with anything else. And then like, Let's make that our first step for every soft fork going forward. You just provide the miners this option if they if they want to hit ninety percent, they hit ninety percent. If you're if you're an economic full node and you disagree with it, then you just don't run the new software. Um, so you still have your veto power. Your veto power isn't removed from the equation, um, but at the same time, you have the ability that you know uh, a large percent of the network is in consensus in terms of of any kind of movement. Um, yes great piece go check it out they tie in the the federalist papers throughout the the piece and and how the founding fathers of the united states thought about setting up the republic and who how the checks and balances between the stakeholders should work in the united states it's it's eerily similar conversations were going on back then um that are going on now um why are you hiding yourself Somebody's probably coming in. No one else can see that except for you, Marty. Are you sure? Yep. So were you just like palming my face? Yep. Okay. I was I was doing something over here, but now that you called out my spot. I'm sorry. This seems like a pretty, pretty, pretty massive <laughs> fuck up or flaw in SMS. Uh you need, you need like so we talk about SIM swaps a lot in this podcast throughout the history. It's like a, a huge attack vector. Um, people who know or criminals that know certain individuals own cryptocurrency and are likely to keep it on exchange will go to a mobile phone provider, pretend to be that person that they're attacking and get a new SIM, SIM card to swap out. And then they'll go to the exchange and say, hey, I need to reset my password and they get SMS two two factor uh, auth uh, authentication or authorization. God, I'm messing up all the acronyms today. They get two FA using the cell phone number, and then they're able to get access to the exchange account and drain it of of all the Bitcoin. Um, it's becoming apparent. This article in Vice is saying that like there's a way to hack SMS without even getting SIM swapped. What the hell's going on here, dude? 
Um, first of all, hilarious. Uh, you corrected yourself. You were you were correct the first time. It's two factor authentication. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just it's a perfect example of a fuck up that involves a centralized system, and the centralized system is our SMS networks, our phone networks. Uh, this idea that the mobile providers are trusted uh, third parties and we can rely on them to secure ourselves. Um, they had a backdoor and they still have this backdoor that's set up for the corporates uh, to basically move numbers, move the authorization of who sends a text um, from different people. Uh, and the idea was so that they could spam us with a bunch of mass marketing. Um, so if you hire one of these marketing companies, you can give them very limited information to verify this is my phone number. And then you can use that mass marketing company to basically exploit a large amount of individuals at the same time. Um, and, and if you know they're a Bitcoiner and you know their phone number, then obviously they're an even easier target. Um, and this is why exchanges, any kind of service really shouldn't rely on SMS being secure because it's not rely on phone numbers as an authentication mechanism. They should not do that. And they should at least at the very least allow people to turn off that capability. Uh, there's a large amount of services, unfortunately, and a lot of them being banks, uh, which is even worse, uh, that don't even allow you to turn it off. Like they'll, it'll always be able to use a phone number. And the single easiest way for you to figure this out is pretend you forgot your password, right? Um, and try and sign into your service only knowing your phone number. Any service that is important, you should go and you should try and sign in, go through the forget password button, click the forget password, go through the fucking hoops and try and access it with just your phone number. If you can't access it with just your phone number, you're, you should be good. Um, then I guess before you even do this, go back to your email address that most people let's be honest, are using a single email that you really should be having multiple segregated email addresses. But let's say you're just using a single email, like the majority of people, it's your master email, it's your main one. A lot of people, it's for Gmail, go try and access that with just your cell phone. If you can access that with just your cell phone number, go through the forget password stuff and access it with just your cell phone number, then all of a sudden, any account that's also linked to that email is also vulnerable. So you want to make sure you close those holes. Um, and, and literally the only way you can do that is if you go and practice personal responsibility and, and go check everything. Um, unfortunately, hopefully in the future, they just remove this horribly insecure authentication method. Yeah. Get your coins off exchanges. Don't use SMS. I'm trying to use two-factor authentication. Authentic. God damn it. God damn head. 2FA. And maybe use a UBK if you can where you can um yeah big attack vector hopefully we figure it out which we ended on here matt sorry i had to send a tweet to dunk on on the ethereum nerds somebody somebody highlighted the fact that they're <clears throat> you're dunking on someone live i'm trying to we'll see if it works out i think it's a good i think it's funny because the, the eth guys so are trying one to... more we had one more news story I know. Let's let's divert here for a second. Like the the ultrasound money narrative, because they're gonna like kill fees and burn fees. It's more sound than Bitcoin. Is this true? Is Ethereum ultrasound money in your opinion? 
No, I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. God forbid they have their own memes <laughs> instead of fucking trying to take all of our memes. And um, I mean, I know it's I know it's a very sensitive topic in America, um, but there's like some kind of ultrasound ETH abortion joke in there somewhere, and I'm not going to make the joke. <laughs> well, I, I, um, I, I, mine was a little bit more PC. It's ultrasound money because you're seeing it before birth, you know? No, ultrasound money, like, it's like, because an ultrasound, what you're doing, you're searching for the baby. So, like, yeah, ultrasound money, you're searching for a narrative that will stick since 2015. I mean, here's here, you, you want me to say it? You're going to make me say it, Marty? It's ultrasound it. money. It's ultrasound money because it can still be killed. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I just, it's ridiculous that this, this is, is com- how we get coming from David YouTube. Hoffman who you know has a he has a decent pod he has two podcasts one is horrible uh and then he has one that's good pretty good pov crypto with our boy ck yeah he's got a redeeming um, it's supposed to be like bitcoin plus eth and like this guy like he virtual signaled about not owning any bitcoin which like good luck bro uh i'm, I'm glad at least your money is where your mouth is but it's you know not gonna work out great for you and then the second thing is he goes laser eyes. He puts laser eyes on, you know, after, after we, like, every, God forbid they come up with their own fucking memes. They just have to try and use all of our memes. It's fucking insane. Um, but I Lazy. will say one thing is you can make a shit coin with the most deflationary fixed supply ever. And it doesn't fucking matter because it goes back to what we said earlier and shit is hard to change on Bitcoin. It's, that, that's what it comes down to. It doesn't come down to whatever number we came up with. You know, Satoshi just randomly decided 21 million. He randomly decided that every four years, we're just going to split the supply in half. Like this was a decision that he just came up with. I like to think like he like came home like a little bit tipsy from the bar and like turned to his wife and was like, what do you think? Like four years, six years, like how are we going to fucking do this? And, and they just decided that number. It is what it is. The thing that matters is that it's fucking ridiculously hard to change. And meanwhile, Ethereum thinks they can emulate what Bitcoin is doing. While to get to that point, Vitalik and co, you know, these, these small, this small set of stakeholders are literally forcing through this change. That them being able to force through the change is the proof that the change doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, I mean... It's laughable at this point. Like the, the fact that like they've changed it so many times at this point. Like this next change is like nothing surprising, but it's like hilarious. They don't realize the. <laughs> it's hilarious. They don't realize like the, the. Like once you set the precedent, like even if you make it quote unquote ultrasound money, like you can always change it in the future. The precedent has always already been set. There's no turning back. Like it will never be sound money because the monetary policy will never be set in stone because the precedents have been set already. So it's just hilarious to see them, see them try this. Sorry for, sorry for, uh, for derailing the conversation. The last topic is pretty important. Well, I just want to, before we get to the last topic, I just want to briefly bring up the fact that I had two individuals that I have always had pretty, I've, I've always had a, a great deal of respect for um, decide to come at me 
in a way that was just personal attacks. And they just decided that they were going to come at me with personal attacks. Oh, we're going to talk about it. That, that, that is not substantive. That is not something that we can make progress on. That is not something that is productive. Um, and I refuse, I refuse to enable people to fucking decide they want to attack me and attack my fucking principles um, and give them, give them any kind of press. So I will not discuss that any further on this fucking podcast. Um, and if you want to talk about specific coin join implementations, I will fucking come on your show. You can go and look back. Over a year ago, I went on Block Digest with the fucking lead maintainer and founder of Wasabi. Uh, and I fucking talked about it. And, and, and it's all there. Go back, look at it. Go through Twitter search, look at it. I have a thread talking about these different threat vectors. Go look at that. Um, but I will not give people press if they just fucking shoot and go go for my principles because that's fucking bullshit. It all speaks for itself. You can go back and look. And if, and if you don't agree, then fuck off. Whatever. I don't care. Hey, I'm, I mean, I think your principles have been very steadfast and speak for themselves that's why i brought you that's why i approached you to do this show and bring you anywhere i approached you I said hey you want to do rabbit hole recap you named it rabbit hole recap I said hey you want to do a weekly news show i like your principles I like the way you approach the space i like the way you think about bitcoin and have a nuanced view so yeah i mean i stay out of it i stay out of it i try to but i did see that last night i was like what the hell is going on why is everybody why is everybody flaming Stop flaming, everybody. Your principles are sound, Matt, and you're very consistent. So I don't think you should let I mean, it get I, to you. I want to be clear here, Marty. Like, I want people to discuss things. I think open discussion is important. I do not think, and, and I know exactly where this is going. Like, the samurai guys, I'm the first one to admit that, that, that the samurai maintainers and a lot of their community act in bad faith on Twitter. They do not. They do not come into to the discussion and decide to discuss substantive arguments. They decide to resort to personal attacks, and it's fucking exhausting. But the thing is, is the other side is so fucking guilty of this as well, and they will not admit it. They will never talk about the fact that they just they exaggerate every fucking claim. They do not act in good faith. No one talks about the actual implementations anymore. They just decide that they're going to just personally attack fucking everybody, anyone who wants to talk about it. And on this show, we, we have talked about Wasabi so much. I've given them so much press. Wasabi 2.0 comes out eventually, whenever they fucking say it's going to come out. They, they, right now, they're saying it's going to come out in 14 months or like fucking 10 to 14 months. They give like a little fucking the, the IQ curve, the same curve, you know, the bell curve. They give you the fucking bell curve on, on when Wasabi 2.0 comes out. You know, if it comes out and it's good, I'm going to fucking shield it on the podcast because that's who the fuck I am because I care about fucking privacy. But if you're going to fucking come at me and you're going to pretend that, that, that you're going to make it about personal attacks, you can go fuck yourself. I'm just not, I can't, I, it, it's, it's a marketing scheme. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely <laughs> fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry. You know, if you have a show, whoever you are, go talk about it on your show. Fuck you. Ooh. Hey, co-sign that. I agree. Like, just talk ideas. Not people here. Uh, 
Yeah, no, I, I, last night, I mean, I noticed that was going on a little bit. I, I thought it was like an interesting juxtaposition. You were you were caught in the middle of that flame war, and I'm just like the most bullish person on the internet after the conversation about Sphinx. And I did not want to dive into that flame war. So again, Matt, I don't think anybody, particularly anybody who listens to this podcast will question your principles. Pretty steadfast, very steadfast. No one's defending Wasabi anymore. It's all hand-wavy bullshit. It's like hand wavy bullshit, and then you just attack. You just you personally attack people. That that that's 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 basically where we're at right now. And people will say, "Oh, just use Join Market." But meanwhile, we had a massive vulnerability in Join Market last week, and it was like me and six other people were talking about it. And which, which just goes to show that no one fucking gives a shit. And did any other show like there's like maybe two shows that fucking discuss the Join Market vulnerability. Um, so. Don't fucking give me this fucking shit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Last topic. Maybe the creepiest mugshot I've seen in quite a while. Like this dude, this kid looked like he went to fuck the person taking the picture. Um, but that Twitter hacker, what was this last year? He was 17 at the time. Now he's 18. Uh, he packed, he got into Twitter's what? They're, they're like God mode their admin tools and he started hacking a bunch of people and asking for Bitcoin and he got some Bitcoin. I'm pretty sure, but he got caught pretty quickly and he fucked up on Wasabi and he fucked up on Wasabi. That was a year ago. And the developers still to this day have made no changes based off of his fuck up and said that users uh, were using it wrong and they should just not do that mistake, even though it's the default. Yeah. So he agreed to three years in prison. His mugshot looks terrible from when he initially got brought in, and then like the the Zoom it's court case. It's ridiculous. Thing. It's fuck like the Twitter hacker. They're like making him out to be like this mastermind hacker. Like he got credentials to their God mode backdoor that allowed anyone to access any account, including the most powerful people in the world. And yeah, I remember he, you remember he got our Biden, boy, didn't he? Or Obama? Yeah, and you remember well before Biden won, and you remember our our boy. Um, our boy Nick Carter was like, oh, it could have started a global nuclear war. Uh, <laughs> he could have if he wanted to. Instead, he did like the worst Bitcoin scam ever. He did like the easiest Bitcoin scam ever. Uh, it was like very low effort. And it was because he had these credentials. So my question to the U.S. government is, and specifically this judge who decided to give him three years, is if, if this is such a severe issue, if this is such a severe concern, Maybe we should hold, uh, you know, some of the most valuable companies in the world that reside in America, like Twitter, we should hold them accountable for providing this access uh, with very little user access control. And I understand that mostly it was because of Corona. I imagine pre-Corona, the only way you can access this God mode is if you're in the office, right? And they switched to remote. Um, so these credentials were being passed around like users, you know, different like employees, computers. And one of those employees probably pressed the wrong link in an email. Um, and then all of a sudden th that access credential got, got leaked out. Right. Um, and I'm not saying that developers in general should be held liable because that's a fucking slippery fucking slope. But I'm saying like, if you are one of the largest broadcast platforms in the world and you, build a back door that you allow your employees to easily access 
And then people freak out because a teenager that was 17 years old was able to gain access and send out any broadcast he wants to send out. And then you give that teenager three years in fucking prison. So he's 20 years old when he comes out. That's a pivotal fucking part of your childhood. After he basically, he did minimal, he did minimal damage. I mean, if anyone who sent Bitcoin to those addresses, they get their Bitcoin back, presumably. Um, if, if, if that is so severe, then let's make backdoors illegal. Let's, let's make it so that these companies should inherently make access to different user accounts to broadcast more difficult. Like why, why, why is that not the conversation instead of pretending that this guy is some mastermind hacker who couldn't even use Wasabi correctly. And supposedly Wasabi is leading edge, cutting edge. So like if he couldn't use Wasabi correctly, he must be a fucking idiot. I like this framing and this pivot. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, maybe you should be hiring this kid if he was able to get these credentials to get in there. Like, 17 makes a mistake, but he does look very, very nefarious. Maybe that, maybe that's like a, a media framing thing. Um, yeah, three years, 18 to 21. Could you imagine being in prison between those years in your life? It would have fucking destroyed me. I right. mean, and, and shout out to the 17 year olds that have, have, you know, have have had to stay in their parents' home for the last year as well, right? Right. But, it's a different uh, it form of prison. Destroyed me. It's fucking ridiculous. I hope you young young freaks who may be listening to this podcast, looking at the distribution of of age and demographics of who who tunes in. It's, there's not many of you, but I know there are some of you. Enjoy, enjoy your youth. Don't stay locked in your parents' house. Go meet up. Go sneak out your friends. Drink beers. I'm going to say drink beers. Have fun. Learn. Talk. Don't let this. You need to be separated because of Corona. Stop you from enjoying your youth. This, I mean, that's another thing that we'll probably have to do a retrospective on in three or four years is these kids get into their early 20s is like the amount of damage psychologically all this stuff had on the youth of the world especially those who who fell in the line and just did everything they were told have, have a if you're especially when you're young you should have a bit of a rebellious rebellious tilt it's it's the time when you can mess up this kid messed up now he's going to prison for three years i mean don't get as rebellious as like taking over god mode and twitter and having people send you Bitcoin, be a little smarter. Um, stack sats. Matt, you're, you look defeated over there. What's going on? You're the only one who could see me. Um, I look, this idea that you can just like, just scare people into submission, man. You know, people don't want to talk about these things. No one wants to talk about any of this shit. No one's going to, there's going to be so few people who there's so few people to talk about Ross, right? There's so few people that are going to talk about this Twitter hacker in a positive light. Why? Because they've been fucking crushed into submission. They don't want, they don't want, we have like our four FBI handlers are listening to this episode right now. We want them to know that we agree with their, uh, we agree with their policies. You know, we agree with everything they're fucking doing. And that's, that's what, that's how people think. You know, they turn in their neighbors. 
They just fucking won't talk about privacy because privacy is likely illegal. Likely illegal. It's exhausting. It's exhausting as someone who has spent the last fucking however many years talking publicly about all of this shit when really I shouldn't have if I just cared about, you know. If not you, then who? If not you, then who? Don't say you shouldn't have. And it's just... Yeah, it's just tired. It's it's exhausting, and I'm I'm hopeful. I see the freaks stepping the fuck up, and it fucking fuels me. Um, but it's just, it's just exhausting. That's all. I know, I know. It is exhausting, but it's gonna be worthwhile in the long run, Matthew. If not you, then who? Seriously, if not you, then who? You gotta have like a Spartacus moment. Somebody's gotta say it, stand up and say, "I am Spartacus." If not you, then who? Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you, freaks, for listening. We're going to win. We are winning. That's the other thing, Matt. You seem very defeated right now. We're winning. We're winning. It's not... Oh, no, no. We're fucking kicking ass, boys. We're, we're, and girls. We're absolutely fucking winning. We continue to win. We continue to win. Haters in disbelief. Don't get me fucking wrong. Um, and I love you, Marty. I appreciate everything you do. I think uh, I think everything that's happened here at, at Tales from the Crypt, um, between us, between the freaks, um, between all the the maybe it's not easy to to objectively quantify all the different side things that have happened as a result of freaks meeting freaks, uh, maybe our future golf tournament to all that shit. Like fuck yes, like I'm super optimistic. It's amazing. It, this is why I do what I do. Right. This is why we do what we do. Uh, there are so many of our peers that are so depressed, that are so scared, that have no idea what the fuck is going on. Uh, and here I am, and I'm just beaming. I'm beaming in terms of future prospects. And that's because of all of you people. It's because of all the freaks. And it's because of you, Marty. So cheers to fucking that. We do what we do because of you, freaks. Thank you guys for tuning in. Keep fighting the good fight. We're winning. Enjoy it. Be on the lookout for an episode with David Bailey tomorrow. There may be a special announcement about Bitcoin 2021. We're going to see you down there. That's all we got this week, freaks. Stay humble. Stack sats. I love you all. Peace Peace. and love.